Welcome to the Wantrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast, your source for everything you need to go from unfocused wantrepreneur to action-taking, money-making entrepreneur. Now, your host, Brian Lofermento. Hello, hello, and happy Featured Friday. It's Brian Lofermento here, as always, with the third episode this week, coming at you every single week on every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And today's Featured Friday interview is really fun for me because this is an interview I held or I conducted during the I Am Summit, so the Internet Marketing Summit, which I hosted two summers ago. And the guy that I interviewed in this session of the IM Summit, his name is Jim Beach, and he has grown multi-million dollar businesses. He's been called the Simon Cowell of small business by CNN, which, which is an interesting tag, and I get into that with him. But Jim's got a really interesting perspective on entrepreneurship and on starting a business because Jim basically, and over the course of this interview, you're going to hear him, he completely gets rid of most of the excuses that new entrepreneurs have. You don't need a business idea. You don't need to be passionate about your business, which is very counterintuitive. Trust me, I play devil's advocate with Jim on that one. But Jim's just got a super interesting perspective. So if you are still in the beginning phases of your business or the procrastinating phases of your business or your business just isn't growing, just wait until you hear Jim talk because Jim has grown so many successful businesses. This guy blows my mind anytime I talk to him and I am so excited to share part one of the interview with Jim Beach with you here today. So I'm not even going to waste any time. Let's just jump straight into my interview with Jim Beach. Hey there, and welcome to yet another session of the 2015 I Am Summit. My name's Brian Lofermento. I'm your host, and I am joined today by Jim Beach. I'm very excited. So let me tell you a little bit about Jim before I introduce him. Jim's first book, School for Startups, was published by McGraw-Hill in June 2011 and reached as high as number nine on Amazon's business section. Jim has started businesses and has taught entrepreneurship around the world. And he recently won the Small Business Administration Media Advocate Award for his radio show. At the age of 25, Jim founded American Computer Experience. He grew the company with no capital infusion to $12 million in annual revenue and to over 60 permanent and 700 temporary employees, operating in 39 states and in three countries, with locations at MIT, Stanford, UCLA, Georgetown, and other great universities. The company was the world's largest technology training company for children and, and enjoyed corporate tie-ins with Microsoft, Intel, Lego, NASA, and many others. In 2000, he closed two rounds of venture funding, one for 2.4 million and another for 6.4 million. He has appeared on NPR, MSNBC, CNN, and then in New York Times, Wired, Entrepreneur Magazine. Jim, this is a mouthful, you've done too many things. Uh, and you've been an expert on technology and education. In 2009, Jim founded the School for Startups at schoolforstartups.com which is a web resource devoted to teaching his philosophy of low-risk entrepreneurship. He believes that anyone can be an entrepreneur. We're going to dig into that claim when they forget about risk, creativity, and passion. In 2012, Jim started two radio shows, one for restaurants called restaurantownerradio.com and one extending the School for Startups brand called schoolforstartupsradio.com. 
School for Startups Radio airs on 11 a.m. and FM stations all across the country and won the 2014 Small Business Administration Media Award. Jim, that was a mouthful. You're a busy guy. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be with you. So let's just dive right in. One of the most interesting things about you is that I saw that you've been called the Simon Cowell of small business by CNN. What the heck does that mean and how did that come about? Well, Brian, I'm not sure if that's an insult or a compliment, but it did happen. Uh, I was judging a venture fundraising competition, and my job was to ask the hard questions. And the organizer actually told me, ask really hard questions. Some of the other judges are going to be too soft, and so we want you to ask the questions that really make the contestants stumble. And that event was covered by CNN. The producer was there, and there were cameramen there and all of that. And I did exactly what I was asked. I asked really difficult questions, pushing the contestants to really test their knowledge. And one or two of the contestants were not able to ask or answer some of the questions, and there was some stumbling and some ahs and some uhs and, and things like that. And when they edited the whole piece together and it appeared on CNN, they introduced me as the Simon Cowell of small business because apparently I have the same sort of personality when I'm questioning people that he does and can be rather direct. But I think that's really important for an entrepreneur to get honest feedback about their business, their business plan. And sometimes you just need to say, you know what, that baby is ugly and it's not going to work. Or even more importantly, I've seen this before, and let me tell you the problems that I saw before. You know, so many contestants are, say stupid things like, we're the first people to do this, and we have no competition, and boy, you look really stupid when you say things like that. <laughs> and so my job that day was to be the strict Simon Cowell-esque guy, and I guess I succeeded. All right, excellent. I mean, it's not too bad of a moniker. It's a great claim to fame. Well, uh, I do brag about it, but I'm, again, I'm not sure if it's an insult or a compliment, so <laughs> we'll go with it, though. All right, so let's dive into your current business. Uh, so tell us about what you do now and where you focus your energies with so many different things going on. Well, I do have a lot of things going on. I do the radio show every day. I have another book coming out this summer on entrepreneurship. And I'm raising money for two businesses uh, right now, one in the healthcare space and one in the hospitality space. And I also spend some time as a stay-at-home dad. You know, being an entrepreneur is so cool because it gives me the freedom and the luxury to do what I want all day long, to work on whatever projects all day long. You know, and I also I frequently say my day is two hours longer than everyone else's day because I don't commute to any place. If you want to see me, you come to my office here at my house. If you want to have lunch with me, I'll serve you lunch right here at my house. I don't go anywhere except to drive carpool, but it means that I'm more efficient than everyone else. Everyone else gets up at six and then they get to work at nine. I get up at 7 and I get to work at 7.05 and I get to spend the entire day working. But I am working on a lot of different projects right now and running several different businesses, helping my wife with her business. So it is a, a, a large basket of fun things that I am lucky enough to be involved with. All right. Excellent. So you definitely enjoy the startup culture. I can tell that. Definitely. You know, being an entrepreneur is 
by far the greatest lifestyle that you can have. Not only do you not have to report to the man and put up with all of that silliness, but you can dress the way you want, work as hard as you want. And I get to go to soccer practice at three in the afternoon, ballet at four if I want, you know, spend time in the pool with the kids, you know, now that it's nice and warm outside. And so it's a wonderful lifestyle. And I think anyone would be crazy not to want to be an entrepreneur. It's by far the best way to utilize the skills that God, Buddha, Muhammad, Yahweh gave you at birth. You know, no other uh, endeavor is going to push you as hard as being an entrepreneur. And I love the fact that if I want to make more money, I just work harder. If I want to take a week off and go to Disney, I can do that too. I don't even have to ask anybody. Jim, totally agreed. It's those little things in life. I mean, going to the mall at two o'clock in the afternoon, having the entire mall to yourself. It's those little things that you really realize making your own schedule means making your own life. And that's the most rewarding part of it all. Totally agree. Totally agree. So one of the things that you talked about is everybody should be an entrepreneur. That's one of the things you just said. And one of your kind of mottos is that anyone can be an entrepreneur. That's what right. You say that. Well, you know, if I think if we were to play Family Feud and they were to put the top three answers up on the board to uh, the question, what is an entrepreneur? You know, one of the answers would be a risk taker. One would be a, it's a creative person. And one of the answers would be someone who does what they're passionate about. And I think that those are all just dramatically wrong. Those are all myths that are perpetuated by not only entrepreneurs, but the media and people who just don't know what they're talking about. And it's really unfortunate because those myths prevent people from being an entrepreneur. I've had a thousand people say to me, well, I just don't have a creative idea right now, but when I get my idea, boy, am I going to do it. I'm going to take off when God strikes me with that creativity lightning bolt. Or Brian, how many times have you heard this? Now's just not a good time for me to take that risk. I got two boys about to go off to college and now's just not a good time. Or, you know, I'm just not, I just can't make a living doing what I'm passionate about. You know, I, I love making jewelry, but I, I can't make a living doing that. And these are all the excuses that people use to sit on the sofa inert. Instead of actually getting out there and starting a business, these are the excuses that make it easy for people to not be an entrepreneur. And they, they can justify why they, they haven't taken that leap of faith. 72% of Americans want to be an entrepreneur. Somewhere between 9, 10% are entrepreneurs. That means 62, 63% are living unsatisfied, unfulfilled lives that don't include the financial security of being an entrepreneur, the extra money, simply because they're afraid. And so my, my whole thesis, my whole point, and the point of my book says, I don't want you to sit on the sofa and waste your life. And I'm going to obliterate those three myths and show you that entrepreneurship has nothing to do with creativity, risk, or passion, so that it will encourage you to get off the sofa and go be the entrepreneur that you want to be. So that's what I mean by that. I think that everyone can be an entrepreneur. And I guess here in a minute, we'll talk about each one individually, creativity, risk, and passion. But I don't accept those excuses. You know, I just don't. I refuse to accept that now's not the right time. Now is the only time. Tomorrow is a wasted dream. To yesterday is yesterday. We can't change yesterday. And so now is when you must get off the sofa, take the remote control, 
I like you to crush it into 500 little pieces and never watch television again because as an entrepreneur, you'll be too busy to watch television again. Jim, I think we're starting to see the Simon Cowell in you. Uh-oh. <laughs> it only took a couple of minutes. <laughs> uh, again, I'm not sure if that's a compliment or an insult. I'll try to turn it down a notch. <laughs> no, no, it is awesome. I mean, these are the exact things that especially new entrepreneurs need. So that's that's really, I'm, I'm so thrilled to have you here. Let's dissect it because I think you hit Please. the nail on the head about those three excuses that people often say. So let's talk about, I don't have an idea. I'm not creative enough. I don't know what business I want to start. How do you go about addressing that? Well, let me say this first entrepreneurship can be creative. You know, there are good examples where creativity was involved, and I don't want to discount that. But on the other hand, it's not an excuse for inactivity. If you don't have an idea, go copy, borrow, or steal one. There's nothing wrong with that. And of course, I don't mean stealing trademarks or copyrighted things or things like that. I don't want you to get in jail. But you know what? There's lots of copy me too businesses that make millions or even billions of dollars. How many hotel chains do we have? How many hamburger joints do we have? How many dry cleaners do we have? There's nothing wrong with opening up Inc. Magazine and looking through it and say, oh wow, I found something that this guy in Seattle is doing and I live here in Denver. Why don't I do that? I could do that too. So I don't believe that you have to have an original idea to be an entrepreneur. One of the things I love to say is that if you take your first $100 into the bank, they don't discount it and only put $90 in your account if your business is an imitation of someone else's. You know, they don't do that, right? Your customers don't care where you got your idea from. If you have a satisfied customer and you just built them a website and they love their website, you know, you're not the first company to build websites. You're not going to be the last either. If you're good at building WordPress websites, start a company that builds WordPress websites. Now, there's no creativity at all in that. A million people have done it before. You're just going to do it better than them. You're going to actually answer the phone and talk to your customers and say, oh, I'll fix that right now. Don't hang up. Let's fix it right now. Oh, I fixed it. Do you like it? Is that is that the change you wanted? And give them the best customer service that they've ever had from a web developer. You know, we've all had web services, and they, we've all been unhappy with them. Uh, that's just part of the the package, part of the industry. Well, be the guy that does it better than everyone else. So you know, I don't think it matters if you are doing something new, and it's certainly not worth waiting for. You know, again, you don't get extra points. There's no extra benefit for having a brand new idea. And as a matter of fact, Brian, really interestingly, it can make it worse and make it more difficult when you have a brand new idea. So you were talking about my children's education company that I ran in the 90s. When we expanded into the United Kingdom, we had a really difficult time. Not only did we have to teach our customers what we did, what our company stood for, but we also had to teach them what our whole industry was. Mm -hmm. You know, in the United Kingdom, there was no summer programs for kids. Kids just stood on the street corner and smoked cigarettes all summer. And that's what normal kids did. And to go to a parent and say, we're going to take care of your kids all summer for you, they were like, what? I've never heard of this. And so it was actually an extra burden because we had to educate them about not only us, but about our whole industry. So being new can actually be 
a burden on you. And again, you don't get any extra points. So if you want to be an entrepreneur, there's this incredible website. Maybe some of our listeners have heard of it. It's called Google. <laughs> and you go on Google and you type in new business ideas. And I'm going to modify that search in just a minute. Uh, we'll make it a little more precise. But for right now, go on Google and type in new business ideas. You will find thousands of websites that give away business ideas. That's not the hard part. The creativity is not the hard part. In the appendix of our book, we list 40 businesses that you can start, and we just give you the model. Here's what you go do. Go do this. Tell you everything that we can think of. The creativity is not an acceptable excuse for sitting on the sofa in your status quo inert. If you want to start a business, that excuse doesn't hold water with me because there's too many places where you can find ideas that don't require any creativity. Just go do one of those ideas, copy, borrow, or steal. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, so Brian, if you were to go out to dinner and your friend said, hey, Brian, what are you doing? And you said, well, I'm going to start a new business. All your friends would be jealous and envious because you're the one taking the initiative. You're the one setting yourself apart. And then they're going to say, well, where'd you get your idea? Well, I found it in Inc. Magazine. Oh, that's not cool. That's not going to happen. They're still going to be jealous. They're still going to be envious. They're still going to wish that they, too, had the cojones to go and start a business. And so that's what is so wonderful. You don't have to have a new idea. The media tells you that we do, but you don't. Just go find an idea and copy it. Make it better. Do it better than them. So let me tell you very briefly about my first business, the computer uh, education company that I ran in the 90s. It was a copy of someone else's business. The other business was run at Clark Crest Resort in Connecticut. Well, you've never heard of Clark Crest Resort because in the 60s, it was a dump. By the time I went there in the 70s, it should have been condemned. <laughs> My business was run at MIT, Stanford, UCLA, Georgetown, SMU, Emory, place, Sorbonne, Cambridge, places like that. Where would you rather send your kid to get educated? To Clark Crest Resort in Connecticut or to MIT or Stanford, right? <laughs> I took the exact same business model that I had seen as a child and just made it infinitely better. Their program started Friday at 3 my program started Friday at 3. Their program ended Sunday at 3. My program ended Sunday at 3. I just did it better than them. I love it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push you here, and I'm going to play devil's Please. advocate along the way. Please. So one of the things you touched on is grabbing an idea from the web, for example. Let, let's use WordPress web designers as the example. Okay. I don't know, and especially as a former WordPress web developer, it's, it's a funny example. I don't know anyone who's passionate about doing WordPress web development as a living, and that's why I'm no longer doing it. So don't you at least need some sort of level of passion to, to make this business grow and succeed and prosper long term? Sure. I, I do believe in entrepreneurial passion, but I would suggest the following. I'm passionate about my lifestyle. 
I'm passionate about the freedom that I have. I'm passionate that I don't have to play with others in their sandbox. I'm passionate about wearing blue jeans every day. I'm passionate about taking 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock to go to soccer and to go to ballet practice. I'm passionate about not commuting to any place. I'm passionate about my incredible lifestyle. I have run businesses that I could care less about. I used to have a purse and female accessories business. I promise you I'm not a accessories type guy. I don't care about purses. My wife has had the same purse for same one purse for the last three years and we agreed it's time for her to get a new one. I just don't care about that stuff. But running that business gives me the money and the free time to do what I am passionate about, which is being with my family. And I also love woodworking, Brian. Right now, I'm sitting on a desk that I built. But I tell you this, I'm not very good at woodworking. I'm just not very good at it. And I have built things, sat on them, and have them crumble underneath my buttocks and fall into the floor because it wasn't very well built. I can't make a living doing what I'm passionate about. No one will pay me to go to Disney full-time with my kids, and no one's going to buy my furniture, right? But I am passionate about the other stuff, the lifestyle that comes with being an entrepreneur. And so I would suggest that that's enough. You know, you can find passion in making WordPress sites. You know, it can be something that you love. And maybe it's not just making WordPress sites. Maybe it's making other businesses grow that you're passionate about, and you just do it through web development. That's just as cool. So you know what? When you say you have to be passionate, I would give you choices. Do you like your work? Say you have a job now at McDonald's or 3M or something like that or Coca-Cola where I used to work. I liked it. I'd give it a 7 or an 8. I'd give my entrepreneurship life a nine or a nine and a half. If I absolutely loved the business, I would give it a 10. And I have had that experience. I loved my computer company in the 90s. I would give it a 10. But still, a nine or a nine and a half is still better than a seven. Remember? And so let's go with that. You know, it may not be perfect. It may not be a business that you truly love that you would lay your life down for but it's still better than working for the man. And so this is a life of incremental change, of incremental benefit. I am happier now than I was working for Coca-Cola. I would prefer to do that than to be responsible to a boss every day. So it's all a matter of choices. And I think that my lifestyle is so awesome that most people are jealous of it. And most people would say, I'd rather do what you're doing than what I am doing. I get to do whatever I want all day long, you know? And so people, when they look at it that way, they go, yeah, I can be passionate about that. You know, doing whatever you want all day long, That's I can be passionate about that. I could buy into that. And so I do like my businesses. I like writing books. I like being on the radio. But you know what? Every single day I would rather be at Disney with my kids or in Paris with my wife or going down the Colorado River with my brother. But you know what? By being an entrepreneur, I get to do more of the things I'm truly passionate about. I can take a week off and go to woodworking school. I can go to Disney. I can take four or five or six weeks a year off and vacation if I want and just run reruns that week. 
I couldn't do that if I worked for Coca-Cola. I couldn't do that if I worked for the man. So you know what? I agree. It is awesome when you can be passionate about your business. But even if you're not, it's still better than the alternative. All right. Love it. So we have talked about creativity and passion. I'm going to save the third bucket of excuses, which is risk, for later because that's my favorite one. And I think that's the biggest stumbling block for people. All right. So let's talk a little bit about your beginnings. And we talked about American Computer Experience, which is the company you started at age 25. You stole that idea, as you said. But how did you get your first customer or client or how did you get that first class started? That's always one of the biggest stumbling blocks is that first sale. It is. It is. And one of the things I'm so proud of is that we did it for under $1,000. So uh, our first program in the summer of 1994 you know, it grew into a much broader company and many different types of education. But we started off as just a simple summer camp at Stanford and MIT. The first year we had two weeks of camp at Stanford and two weeks of camp at MIT, teaching computer skills, HTML, web design, basic, Fortran, C++, things like that. And the first thing that we did was call MIT and Stanford and say, hey, we would like to, you know, run a program on your campus. And Stanford said yes within two minutes. Within two minutes on the phone, they said yes. MIT took about two months to get, but eventually we were able to get both universities to allow us to uh, have programs on their campus. So you now, had no revenue before then? No, well, we didn't even exist yet. I haven't even created a company yet and don't even have a checking account yet. <laughs> And I didn't even know the company name yet. As a matter of fact, we didn't know the company name until we made our first brochure. But the next thing we did was very much in the lean startup methodology, we tested the market to see if there was a market existing. So I called up the Palo Alto uh, Parenting Magazine. It was a, you know, a weekly or a monthly magazine. And we ran a small, tiny ad in the Parenting Magazine, said Summer Camp Computers Stanford, and we put an 800 telephone number. <clears throat> and that's all we did. And we did the same thing in the Boston-Cambridge area. And so for about $700, I ran two ads. And then we created an 800 number and people would call in. And this is really funny, Brian. We were afraid to answer the telephone because if we answered the telephone, people would ask us those really pesky question things that we would have to have answers. And we didn't have any answers yet because we literally didn't even have a brochure. So our message said, welcome to summer camp at MIT and Stanford. We'd love to do business with you. We'd love to take care of your kids. Leave your name and address and we'll mail you a brochure. <laughs> well, in like two weeks, we collected about 100 names. So what we've already learned is there's a market for this product. We've spent $700 and we have proven that there's a market for this product. That's fantastic research there. I mean, it's you know, people might pay $70,000 to have someone do market research for them to tell them if there's a, you know, a desire for your product. We spent $700 and not only had we proven that there was market interest in our product, but we had a list of 100 customers. So at that point, we were like, damn, what are we going to do now? So we built a brochure, which is right up on the wall over there. I can go get it and show it to you if you want. And we built this brochure. 
and it was in uh, four color. You know, we did it at Kinko's. You know, Kinko's doesn't exist anymore, but we made it at Kinko's. And we printed 250 copies. I designed it 100% myself using paint and publisher from Microsoft. And, you know, two or three weeks after we started, and it took two or three weeks for me to design it, because one of the things we had to do was figure out what we were actually doing with our curriculum and, you know, dates and all of that stuff. We put it in the mail to those hundred customers and we ran some more ads because at this point we were getting, you know, fairly confident. And every single cent that we've spent so far was put on a credit card. So no out-of-pocket money. And, you know, we'd spent about a thousand bucks to have a actual brochure in the hands of, by that point, probably 150 customers. And we got a mailbox at a UPS store, and every day we would go and open up the mailbox and see if there was any money there. And one day, there was a $100 deposit check, and we had our first customer. And it took like a month for us to get a customer. But, you know, every day we would go and check the mailbox and pray and hope that there was some money in there. And in the end, we ended up having 96 campers that summer spread across the two schools, almost exactly evenly, 48 and 48. And that's just the way it worked out. That wasn't any limit of ours. And so our first customers, we gained for under $1,500. And pretty soon, we had 20 deposits, which means we had $2,000 in the bank and were able to pay the credit card off. We started the business with only a $1,500 loan from the credit card company. That's amazing. And so the, the invaluable lesson that I hear there is start before you're ready. Way too many people think they need a logo first and a business name and a website. But the message I'm getting there is just start. Well, you know, I did write about a five-page business plan, and I got to the point where I couldn't answer any more questions, and so I just gave up writing it. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I just didn't know. And so you know, I just stopped writing it. I, I'd meet people all the time who have spent six months on their business plan, and I just want to grab them by the neck and strangle them and say, what are you doing? Just start the damn thing. You know, you can spend so much time studying it that you've studied yourself to death. Uh, you know, I was stupid. I was 24, 25 years old. I didn't know any better. I thought that well, that's the only way to do it. I knew enough to write a business plan, but it wasn't any good. You know, it, it, it was sort of there. It answered some of the questions. And the only people I showed it to were my parents. All right. So that does it for the first half of my interview with Jim Beach. So if you are as excited as I am about learning more from Jim, then the good news is that was only half of my interview with him. And you can tell that he's a super colorful character. He's passionate about entrepreneurship. And oh man, does he have some stories and anecdotes to go along with it. So like I said, that was part one of two with Jim Beach. Now next week, we've got a full slate of episodes. So Monday, Wednesday and Friday. And next Friday, actually, I'm going to be interviewing Jen Burson, who's one of the top PR experts in the world and, and definitely in the United States. She's based out of Los Angeles. And Jen is going to drop some PR and client obtaining knowledge bombs on you. So I'm excited for next Friday's episode. And then the Friday after, and of course, the week after, we've again got a full slate of episodes on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And the second half of my interview with Jim Beach will be airing in that featured Friday. So on the 28th of October, if you're listening to this as the episodes are coming out, then October 28th, 
2016, the second half of my interview with Jim Beach will be live and ready for you to listen to. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. If you want to learn more about Jim or if you want to share this episode with a friend, just head on over to the Entrepreneurshow.com. Make sure you subscribe to the show because that's the only way that you're going to get all of these episodes the day or really the instant that they come out. So hit subscribe whether you listen in iTunes or on the podcast app on your phone or on Stitcher Radio, wherever it is that you listen to it, hit that subscribe button and keep an eye out for for part two of this episode with Jim Beach on October 28th and get excited because next week I've got three more amazing episodes for you. Thanks for listening to the Wantrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast with your host, Brian Lofermento. For show notes and to get a free copy of Brian's book, visit us online at thewantrepreneurshow.com.